the Newbie Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm Jonathan Boyle with my co-host, uh, Joey Chan. Joey Chan. Oh, Joey Chan. And today we have a special guest, uh, Aaron Fragnito. Welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me today. Glad to be here. Welcome, Aaron. So, hey, Aaron, I want to just start off with asking you a few quick questions. What were you doing before you got into real estate? And then bridge that into how did you get into real estate? Okay, well, before I got into real estate, I was a ski instructor in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, living my best life, being in the Rockies day in and day out, getting paid to do it. And you'd say, well, why, why would you then move back to New Jersey and work 60 hours a week running a real estate investment company. It's because of passion, Joey, passion. I, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, no, I, re I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in college. You know, my, my dad owned a, a condo and a big development. I, when I was a kid, we would go there and turn it over. And, you know, I always had a passion for real estate, but I didn't really recognize it. You know, I had a painting business in the past. I had a landscaping business. I went to Rowan University. I got an entrepreneurial degree, a business degree in, in entrepreneurship. That was pretty cool. And, you know, I learned what a franchise was. And I learned how to work hard and show up on time. I learned what a debit and a credit was, but I just didn't really know what I want to do with my life. And I remember my college advisor said I should sell insurance. And I got really depressed because I have no passion for insurance. And I went out to uh, Colorado and ski instructor for six months. And I read all these other books about real estate investing and went on LoopNet and started learning about how people buy these big commercial buildings yeah. and they made it sound all so easy and all you need to do is just raise a little money and bada bing bada boom you have yourself an apartment building so 10 years later i'm an overnight success you know yes <laughs> well how did you actually get into real estate you know tell us a little bit about the first deal you actually did sure so i came back home from colorado 2010 i got my real estate license okay. and I became a realtor i said okay i want here's my goal right i wrote it down and i said in 10 years i want to have a net worth of one million dollars i want to have a passive cash flow for my properties of a hundred thousand dollars a year and I said, okay how am i going to get there so i made a list i kind of worked my way down from that goal and I need to make connections, meet people, raise capital, learn how the business works. And okay, good place to get started is uh, being a realtor because I had no money either. I need to make some money. Um, so I, I got my realtor's license. I sold one house in six months. My broker took 90% of the commission and said, read the fine print. So I made $500 in, in uh, commissions in six months and, and I, you know, I was about to quit. You know, it was a terrible market. It was a terrible broker, you know, but I learned short sales and I learned how to do those and how to work with bank owned properties. And I started meeting a lot of investors who loved me and how I got all these great deals for them through short sales, and REO properties. And what I did was I used some of those uh, relationships with those investors. And I said, why don't you try investing in me and with me in a property? Um, and eventually I, I did actually get into uh, my first flip. Okay. My first flip was a partner I met at a real estate networking event. And he had owned a coaching, uh, a business coaching business. And uh, that business had just filed bankruptcy. So I guess he wasn't great at business coaching. And, and I decided to team up with this guy and, and uh, I, I convinced my father to invest about $200,000 in a fix and flip in Mine Hill. Um, I remember we hired contractors that um, didn't pay the subcontractors. So our general contractor didn't pay the subcontractors. So the subcontractors snuck back into the house and stole the copper piping they installed because they didn't get paid. So the job was a mess that uh, my partner who I ended up teaming up with ended up stealing money from the account, uh, acknowledging it and just saying, well, 
he's working hard and he should get an extra icing on the cake. It didn't make any sense. So we got rid of him, quick claim the deed, it got him right out of there and just said, you know what, we're going to double down and get this done. And we, we did. My, we hired better contractors. My father was able to salvage most of his investment. We only lost $7,000. And since then, my father's made a lot of returns on his <laughs> investments. So, <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with friends and family to get started. And uh, it was a really tough flip. Mm -hmm. No, that's incredible. I mean, so Aaron, just to, I guess, uh, emphasize this. So then your first flip, you didn't make hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, I lost seven grand, but people pay like 25 grand for coaching packages. So it was exactly. the best coaching I ever had. You know? <laughs> exactly. No, I, I just wanted to emphasize that for the audience because some people think that, you know, you can't lose money in a deal when realistically you could lose a lot. And you know, just losing 7,000, you know, like when you get started, people, most would be disheartened and be like, oh, this doesn't work. I quit. But you didn't. And you actually thought of it as like your education. Because mm -hmm. like that, that's the way I see it. Like if I lost money, it's way cheaper than if I went to college. Like uh, I've mentioned it several times. Like I went to Columbia. I would have never went there if I didn't have the GI Bill because mm -hmm. that was like almost 100,000 a year. So it's all perspective, right? You know, I mean, yeah, I, I had a what a bit eighty thousand dollar degree, you know, coming out of uh, when I was you know, twenty two years old, and and boy, like it just, uh, I didn't feel prepared at all for the real world, you know. And when I finally started doing deals, and many of them did work out, but the ones that didn't work out, I've learned so much from you know, more than the successes for sure. You know? Yeah, you definitely learn more from the failures than your success mm -hmm. Chronolo chronologically. What what was your next, you know, set of deals? Like what did you do? You know, what was your what was like your first strategy? So, all right. So, I, I did want to flip houses. I did want to learn how to flip houses the right way. I knew it was a matter of having the right partners, but I also knew my weaknesses, right? I'm not great at necessarily managing construction sites or dealing with contractors. I'm more on the sales and marketing end. I'm, I'm good at raising capital and working with investors and structuring the deals in ways that make sense to our investors and to us and, and our other parties involved. So I teamed up with Seth Martinez, who's my business partner to this day. And I met Seth because I was his realtor. Right? I was in the business working with these people. So I met, I met a lot of different investors and you know, some I got along with others, not so much, but Seth Martinez was a great fit to, and, and his goals aligned with my goals. And we wanted to acquire a thousand units in the next three years. And uh, we bought a six family together from a We Buy Houses signs. I used to staple on those telephone poles and that used to work really well back in 2012 or so. So we, we bought a six family together for 220,000. We raised a little bit of capital. We put in a little bit of capital myself. I finally had about $20,000 saved up by then from commissions. I learned how to sell short sales and was making a little dough as a, as a realtor. So I put in some money, but most of the money came from other investors and, and Seth had sold a medical billing company. So he was liquid and he was great at the management end of the business, uh, analyzing deals, sourcing deals, and the operations and dealing with contractors. And I'm great at, at um, customer management, dealing with investors, marketing and branding. So we really jived there. We realized that we, we, we bought the six family, put two, uh, bought it for 220. We put probably another 80,000 into it, maybe not even that much. And it appraised for a much higher amount, somewhere in the, uh, I think in the around half a million dollars or so. So we were able to refinance our initial investment back out plus additional capital. So our investors were very happy. They did very well. We did very well and we recycled that refinance capital into more deals 
And we got up to about 100 units over three years. And we realized you need quality over quantity uh, to make money in this business. You can't just buy everything that looks good on paper. Um, and we developed our own management company and kind of hit the brakes and got rid of properties that weren't making money. And, and now we're focused on quality over quantity with our holdings. And when when did you kind of get into the whole, because I know you do uh, quite a bit of wholesaling, right? When mm-hmm. did you get into that, that whole business? Sure. Well, wholesaling, I kind of started as a wholesaler. You know, okay. I basically, okay. yeah, one of the first things I did in 2010 when I was getting my realtor's license, which was a good move. And if you're getting started in real estate, getting a realtor's license was a great way to get a, a title, have a certificate, have a reason to be in the deal, a way, a way to make money, a, mm-hmm. a way to be moving real estate and meeting players in the business. So it's a great way to get started. But I, I was also wholesaling. Right. And I was putting up those signs and, you know, talk to your broker about this. But basically what I would do is someone would call and they'd be like, all right, here's the deal. If it was a major fixer upper and need a lot of work and they're willing to take an investor friendly price for it, I would just connect them with an investor and I would make a wholesale fee. Okay, because I was procuring these leads with my own investment and my own marketing. Um, Sometimes I'd even raise the capital and buy the deal once I had those resources in place. But getting started, I would give the inv- the owner of the property an option for me to wholesale their property if it was wholesale friendly, meaning it needed work and it was a good price. Or if it was more like a retail property and they wanted full price for the property, I'd be, okay, it's better if I list it as a listing agent, put it on the open market and sell it as a realtor. And I'd have my realtor hat on. Okay. Now, you know, listen, you got to know what you're doing to do that. You cannot come in as a wholesaler and tell someone his property is worth X and be like, I'm a realtor. I can value your property. That's a big red flag. You're either, you know, going to start the relationship, you know, as a realtor or you're going to, you know, do the real relationship as a wholesaler. <clears throat> you know, the difference is a listing agent has your fiduciary responsibility in mind and your goal is to get the highest possible price for the property as a listing agent. So you have to be very clear. If you're going to be doing that, you cannot be wholesaling it, which is really the opposite, where you're actually trying to get the seller to agree to the lowest price possible so you can then wholesale it and and flip the contract for the highest price possible to make a profit in the middle. Now, there's benefits to wholesaling, of course. You don't have a ton of showings and it could be an as-is contract and, and things like that. But you gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, understand who you're working for in these scenarios. But that's what I would do. I would either wholesale it and make a quick buck there, or I'd list it, make money there through my brokerage, uh, my broker. And um, you know, I got a lot of listings that way. I got a lot of short sales, <clears throat> a lot of other listings. So, nice. yeah, no, that makes perfect sense because, like, I know uh, I'm a realtor as well, and you know, I have to always disclose. Uh, you know, in writing and like in person, like, look, I'm not like whenever I'm talking to homeowners, like, look, I'm working as a wholesaler here. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have any fiduciary responsibility as a wholesaler, you know, but if you wanted to go into the open market, I can help you with that as well. And and a lot of the owners like those options, you know, and I know there's a lot of realtors out there that might listen to this podcast and say that's illegal or that's unethical. But as long as you have transparency and communication, a lot of people are like, wait a minute, you can give me a hundred grand in cash and close in 30 days. And you're you know, just going to buy the property or one of your investors, your network's going to buy it. And that they, 
you know, they might like that a lot more as is. Otherwise, a, li a listing agent, I might say, listen, I can list it for 129,000. I'll take my 6%. The buyer's gonna nickel and dime you down another 15. It's gonna take six months to get it all closed. You're gonna have holding costs and you're probably gonna end up roughly with the same amount, but maybe with more headaches. You know, depending on the property, wholesaling was a better option. Uh, I mean, now today, I don't know, it's hard. The market's so hot. You put something yeah. on the MLS, the phone blows up if it's the right price. So it'd be a pretty hard argument to say, <laughs> you know, let me wholesale. Yeah. That's why I like wholesaling is so hard right now. You know, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely got to be the right property. You know, it's got to be something where it, it needs a ton of work, for, for instance, you know, things like that. If it's if it's a decent you know property it, it's gonna fly off the shelf right now. yeah no it's it's funny because like there one of my friends her parents were going through a divorce and she said that hey can you buy my house from them and you know i looked up you know i walked to them i talked to them i told them my number and i told them up front like look you could get it up you could get more on the market if you mm -hmm. want you know i could list it for you and you know we could sell it and of course you know like they went that way and now i'm going through several other issues but Jerry <laughs> knows about it but yeah you know you, you always want to it, it's like a good uh, option you could give people like if mm -hmm. you could tell they're not really interested in a wholesale fee or i mean in wholesaling the prop or you wholesaling the prop right right i mean a lot of people like the idea of okay this is what i'm going to get great i'm going to get it at this time great you know when you list a property for sale there's no guarantees and you know with the holding costs and the buyer's punch list and the realtor commission you might end up in the same spot uh, anyway. And, you know, there was a time too when the market was uh, was not good, right? It was, a, it was yeah. a, 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 yeah. a buyer's market. So the wholesale pitch was pretty attractive. A lot of times you'd list a home and the phone would not ring, you know, and, and that was a different market. So that was a great time. There was also the auctions, the sheriff sale auctions, which might be your next question here. You know, basically that was what we evolved into. We started with bandit signs, right? And that was good and we, we made some money there. But then we really hit our stride around 2015 to 2017 with the sheriff sale auctions. And boy, were we in the right place, the right time. We would walk in there on a Tuesday afternoon and uh, with $100,000 in cash, scoop up three properties, flip them, double the 100 grand uh, within 30 days. You know, those were years, I remember one year we made a million dollars in wholesale fees. We did like 60 transactions and the game has changed now though, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember um, bidding against you guys at the auction tw uh, in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it got crazy by 2018. There was like yeah. everyone, people would go there and they'd be like, yeah, I went to a guru course last week. And, uh, you know, I have, I have 50 grand to invest, 25 of them went to the guru course. And now my other 25 is here at the auctions. You know, how does this work again? And <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. a tough uh it's really, you know, the pinnacle of investing. If you're new to investing, it's a risky way to get started, in my opinion. What made you pivot from, you know, wholesaling direct from homeowners to the auction? Uh, well, we would continue to do uh, private marketing um, to find uh, sellers there. Um, quite frankly, it was just the, the path of least resistance to find deals. You know, we'll spend now up to $7,000 in direct mail marketing to source one good deal that makes us fifteen to thirty thousand dollars in in profit. So that's not bad, but it, the amount of work that goes into sourcing those leads, looking at those leads, figuring out what's good, what's not. A lot of the stuff you're dealing with in the open market are like 
difficult sellers where they're, you, you kind of dig into it and you realize why the home is not sold. You realize why it's going for that price because they just they they maybe aren't cooperative, you know, and it's it's frustrating. So those transactions, right? You'll sign a contract with a homeowner, and then, you know, three weeks in, they'll say their sister's going to buy it instead. You know, what are you really going to do? Sue some old man or something for not selling their home? No, you yeah. just got to roll with it. So, you know, and that happens with private ownership. So that yep, you know, that's frustrating. Where the auction, I kind of like it. It's cut and dry. It's business. It's yeah. business to business sales. We know we're getting. You know, if there's three or four grand and extra taxes or backwater and sewer on title, man, we would just figure that in. Every time we bid on a property, we assumed there was four grand of stuff we just didn't know about yet on title. Um, and that's usually how it panned out. You know, and um, nine out of 10 deals were, were very profitable. And there was always a couple lemons there. And we figured out how to get most of our deposit back through, you know, hiring the right attorney. So, uh, man, I missed the auction. So those were great days. You know? <laughs> yeah. So tell us about what your latest, I guess, iteration of your business is. Now you're more focused on raising capital, doing apartment complexes, things like that. Yeah. How, how did you more or less uh, get into that, you know, shifting from, I guess, uh, the whole wholesaling business? Sure. So Seth and I bought that six family. We did very well on it. Then we recycled that and got more twos and threes and sixes. We bought a 25 unit eventually and we sold that. We made a ton of mistakes but on the 25 unit, but we we made a great profit. And we said, wait a minute, our units under one roof, the easier it is to make money. And uh, business is all about finding the pathway of least resistance and then doubling down on that pathway. You know, and, and not going against the grain, not going against the uh, economy. So, you know, we recognize that it's a lot easier to make money with more units under one roof. Generally, now we don't buy anything that's less than 10 units because, quite frankly, it's difficult to cash flow on a two or a three family property. You, you can. It's, it's a great way to get started. You should start with a two to six unit property because I, I don't agree that jumping into like a 70 unit is, is, is smart. I mean, unless you can source that capital, I'd be very impressed on your first deal. But um, essentially, uh, you know, you want to start a little small with real estate. But once you get your your feet wet and have your resources in place, you do want to um, get into bigger units. Uh, bigger is better. So now we uh, raise capital to buy uh, 10 to 50 unit buildings. And um, we have a management company in house and we still flip properties, we still wholesale properties. But that's gotten so difficult to source a deal. Our cost of uh, the deal has risen so much and our profit margin has not risen that you just have to look at the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. And around 2019, we said, well, you know, our wholesale business went from making a million dollars a year to, to maybe 400,000, but the amount of work we're putting in is the same. The amount of investment we're putting in is roughly the same. So, you know, the return on time and investment was was weaker and weaker now. So we said, wait a minute, look at our apartment buildings. They're going very well. Interest rates are low. Rents are high. Uh, we have sources of being able to get off market deals from worn out landlords or good brokers or wholesalers we've made friends with through the years. So we can source discounted, uh, distressed apartment buildings, improve them with our in-house management company and refinance them or sell them for larger, larger profits than we would ever make on a single family home or even a two or a three family. Um, and we said it's almost amount, the same amount of work to do it to a three family as it is a 25 unit. The only difference is you need about two or $3 million more. And 
that's where I've really tried to perfect my craft, which is raising private capital. I get your emails all the time. You know, you're, you have a webinar, you can log in and kind of, you do a lot of them on LinkedIn. I notice. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of different, different things going on. And, uh, we do a webinar three times a month. We do a live webinar and, you know, uh, we used to do those in our office, but we'll start those up again soon in Berkeley Heights again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. nice. nice. So uh, I, I guess just for the audience who may want to eventually get into apartment complexes and whatnot, how did you start raising capital exactly? So yeah, so let's rewind back to you know being a realtor, making those connections, working with investors, and showing them integrity. You know, just communicating with them well, bringing them great deals, being someone that you know is fun to do business with and trustworthy. And uh, eventually, uh, and I got to say, a lot of my investors didn't like it when I started buying property, but. That's how it went because they wanted me to be the realtor, the, the deal source. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to start cherry picking the best deals that make the most sense to me and raising capital for it. And I already had the trust of people buying real estate. And most people buying real estate have a lot of capital. Most <laughs> use those relationships and that trust to then you know explain the opportunities to them, give them equity. I had to give away a lot of the pie in the beginning, a lot of the ownership to, to make it fair for the investors for their level of risk. And I paid interest rates of like 18%. I would do a promissory note and borrow an investor's capital at 18% interest and work that into the deal. Uh, that might be my equity in on a deal, right? <laughs> and then I would, uh, you know, which you get, you know, it's don't necessarily do what I did. You know, I would, if you're following me here, Right. So, so I would say, okay, here's a deal. Right. And I'd be like, I'll bring in $20,000. Right. Well, when you bring in $20,000, it doesn't mean you have to go out and dig ditches to make that $20,000. You can have a relationship with a private investor who's going to give you a promissory note, uh, an IOU uh, for that $30,000. And maybe you're paying them 18%. I would try to get that down if I were you, but you know, that's where it started to, to get started in this business. And that would be my money down. And now all of a sudden I had $30,000 down. And if you're talking to an, an investor, you're trying to build a relationship, this might be your first deal. Well, having 30 grand is a, is a big, is a very different conversation. Now they know you're, you're, you have some skin in the game. So I would raise capital uh, using promissory notes to give me some cash to have my skin in the game to, to then bring in other equity partners that would bring in the rest of the cash I needed for the down payment. And I would then leverage all that capital with a hard money loan, of some type, and then I would refinance out of the building as quickly as possible. Um, sometimes we would buy properties with just regular conventional loans. That's pretty much how I did it. So just to reiterate, if you're following me here, I would have a relationship with a real estate investor, and I would say, "Hey, uh, let, let me borrow thirty thousand. You know, some of them would only want to do promissory notes, only want to make interest rates. So I say, "Okay, fine. I'll sign the promissory note, I'll personally guarantee it, and I'll pay you an interest check every month." Boom. Now I had thirty grand. And then I would go to the next investor. I'd say, hey, Mr. Investor, you wanted to come in with me on this deal, but you said since this is my first deal, I needed to put in money. So here's the money. I put down 30. You put down 30. We're going to split up the equity in a fair way. I'm not going to pay you an interest rate because you're an equity investor, yep. but the property is going to cash flow. When I refinance, you can get back most of your investment. And you can kind of structure it however you need to there. Um, so that way I'm not paying two investors an interest rate. I'm only paying one investor an interest check. That is a high risk loan I'm taking on, but I'm using that cash not to go on vacation, but to invest in an asset that made cash flow beyond what I needed to cover for that interest payment. So I would still make money on that money. 
And now the other investor who wanted me to have skin in the game would then be confident to put in his investment to give me the full amount of money I needed to buy the property, renovate it, and either refinance or sell it, whatever the exit strategy was. That's how I did deals with no money down. That's pretty awesome. Nice, nice. So was that uh, kind of similar to for apartment buildings or was that strictly for like flips or? Um, so when I got into bigger buildings, uh, uh, we our first building, we had four investors come in with $100,000 each and another investor at 50,000. We gave them equity ownership. We gave them about 60% ownership of the building. And then we got a conventional loan for the remainder of the money. My partner and I did the operations. We uh, developed our management company through that time. There had a lot of challenges with that. And then we sold the building for a profit about two and a half years later. And our investors made about a 10% cash and cash return uh, annualized on their money. So they were, they were happy. We did better than projected. And, uh, and we made a lot of mistakes and we still came out very nicely on it. We said, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Then these are actually more forgiving than the twos and the threes on where if you make a mistake there, you can be uh, you know, stuck. So, uh, you know, we, we found that they were, they were easier to do in a sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Guys, unfortunately a train is coming by. Uh, it's going to get a little loud here. Do you want me just to mute real quick? I bought a home on a scenic train line. Okay. I'm a big train guy. I love trains. So it's a scenic train line. Now, a few months after I bought it, it also became a train line for moving freight. That's okay. It comes by twice a day, but. Sometimes you get a little train line. So it's it's a beautiful little area. It can be a little loud at two times of the day. <laughs> that was quick though. I, I expected it to be much longer. I got a great price in the home because of it and a ton of equity in it. So I, yeah, it was a great deal, man. I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know how to find deals. So that's. <laughs> look, look along the train lines. There you go. Get the train <laughs> line. Funny thing. Uh, I actually found a deal for my, uh, for my parents to buy that is, along a train line it now the train line doesn't actually work anymore but yeah it's like it's right across the street is the train mm -hmm. like the uh, railroad tracks it can be uh, a kind of a scenic thing i think in any commuter lines are going to be a pain in the neck but like if you're like this line is literally uh, i'm actually up in vermont right now this is actually along you know a, a train line that people pay money to go ride and see the foliage this time of year. It's actually a lot of fun. It's cool. Oh, you get like dinner on the train. They do like shows and stuff. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, it's through this uh, valley, like the ski valley here in uh, Southern Vermont. So oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. That's different. <laughs> so basically, oh, wow. yeah, oh, wow. yeah wow. Have the first 25 unit there. But yeah, I mean, even just getting started, I use those relationships and those investors on the first 25 unit were people I had met uh, Seth knew people and I knew people. See, that was it too. I, I met Seth and that's when my career really took off because all of a sudden, all the things I wasn't that great at, managing the properties and contractors and analyzing things really, really in depth, saving money right and left, he took care of all the nitty gritty analytics of it. And that gave me the time to go out and raise more capital, build that brand because it's a full-time gig doing the podcasts and the webinars and, and the marketing and, and everything mm. yeah yeah sure. uh, we have an idea where can people find you on social media sure so our website is peoplescapitalgroup.com and our uh, facebook group is called real estate investments on facebook and uh we have a youtube channel uh people's capital group on youtube uh, we also have the passive cash flow podcast which is on all your major 
podcast uh, platforms there and on our website, uh, peoplescapitalgroup.com. You can check out our podcast and our other videos and uh, even uh, fill out the qualification form to qualify to invest uh, passively if you feel like that meets your investment criteria. And um, But yeah, we, we have a lot of information there. There's even recordings of our webinars on our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com that people can watch learn how we reposition apartment buildings. This thing is, man, we're getting into short-term rentals here in Southern Vermont. So I'm up here spearheading this uh, next uh, part of our business and it's looking very lucrative. It's already been very lucrative for our uh, passive investors. So um, this is fully funded right now, the uh, new short-term rentals in Southern Vermont, but it's something we'll probably be opening up down the road to uh, new investors. But for now we are buying a 25 unit also in Patterson. So. We are opening that up to qualified investors. And to learn more about that, you go to peoplescapitalgroup.com and fill out the form to invest. Yeah, you better cut me off because I have like two dozen more stories I, I can tell you about things. <laughs> we'll need that for another episode or two. There you go. That's a good plan, my friend. Good plan. Thanks, Aaron, for uh, being on the show. And uh, take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys.